Section 13 of A History of Our Own Times, Volume 4 by Justin McCarthy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 53 The Fenian Movement, Part 1. The session of Parliament which passed the Reform Bill was not many days over when the country was startled by the news that a prison van had been stopped and broken open under broad day in manchester and two political prisoners rescued from the custody of the police the political prisoners were fenians we have spoken already of the fenian movement as one of the troubles now gathering around the path of successive governments it was in an early period of lord russell's administration that the public first heard something substantial about the movement on february sixteenth eighteen sixty six parliament was surprised not a little by an announcement which the government had to make lord russell told the house of lords and sir george grey announced to the house of commons that the government intended to suspend the habeas corpus act in ireland and that both houses of parliament were to be called together next day for the purpose of enabling the ministry to carry out this resolve the next day was saturday an unusual day for a parliamentary sitting at any early part of the session unusual indeed when the session had only just begun the government could only excuse such a summons to the lords and commons on the plea of absolute urgency and the word soon went round in the lobbies that a serious discovery had been made and that a conspiracy of a formidable nature was preparing a rebellion in ireland the two houses met next day and a measure was introduced to suspend the habeas corpus act in ireland and give the lord lieutenant almost unlimited power to arrest and detain suspected persons the measure was run through its three readings in both houses in the course of the day the house of lords had to keep up their sitting until the document should arrive from osborne to authorize the commissioners to give the queen's assent to the bill the lords therefore having discussed the subject sufficiently to their satisfaction at a comparatively early hour of the evening suspended the sitting until eleven at night they then resumed and waited patiently for the authority to come from osborne where the queen was staying shortly before midnight the needful authority arrived and the bill became law at twenty minutes before one o'clock on sunday morning it seems almost superfluous to say that such a bill was not allowed to pass without some comment and even some opposition in the house of commons mr bright made a speech which has always since been regarded as in every sense one of the very finest he ever delivered that was the speech in which he declared his conviction that if the majority of the people of ireland counted fairly out had their will and had the power they would unmoor the island from its fastenings in the deep and move it at least two thousand miles to the west that was in itself a sufficiently humiliating confession for an english statesman to have to make it was not humiliating to mr bright personally for he had always striven to obtain such legislation for ireland as should enable her to feel that hers was a friendly partnership with england and not a compulsory and unequal connection 
but it was humbling to any englishman of spirit and sense to have to acknowledge that after so many years and centuries of experiment and failure the government of england had not yet learned the way to keep up the connection between the countries without coercion acts and measures of repression in ireland no englishman who puts the question fairly to his conscience will deny that if he were considering a matter that concerned a foreign country and a foreign government he would regard the mere fact as a condemnation of its system of rule it would be idle to try to persuade him that it was all the fault of the poles if the russians had to govern by mere force in poland all the fault of the venetians if the austrians could never get beyond a mere encampment in venetia his strong common sense unclouded in such cases by prejudice would at once enable him to declare with conviction that where after long trial a state cannot govern a population except by sheer force the cause must be sought in the badness of the governing system rather than in the perversity of human nature among the governed mr mill who spoke in the same debate put the matter effectively enough when he observed that if the captain of a ship or the master of a school has continually to have recourse to violent measures to keep crew or boys in order we assume without asking for further evidence that there is something wrong in his system of management mr mill dwelt with force and justice on one possible explanation of the difficulty which english governments seem always to encounter in ireland he spoke of the eternal political non possumus which english statesmen opposed to every special demand for legislation in ireland a non possumus which as he truly said only means we don't do it in england the habeas corpus act was therefore suspended once more in ireland the government acknowledged that they had to deal with a new rebellion in that country the rebellion this time might have sprung up from the ground so suddenly did the knowledge of it seem to come upon the vast majority of the public here yet there had for a long time been symptoms enough to give warning of such a movement and it soon proved to be formidable to a degree which not many even then suspected the fenian movement differed from nearly all previous movements of the same kind in ireland in the fact that it arose and grew into strength without the patronage or the help of any of those who might be called the natural leaders of the people in seventeen ninety eight and in eighteen forty eight the rebellion bore unmistakably what may be called the follow my leader character some men of great ability or strength of purpose or high position or all attributes combined made themselves leaders and the others followed in seventeen ninety eight the rising had the impulse of almost intolerable personal as well as national grievance but it is doubtful whether any formidable and organized movement might have been made but for the leadership of such men as wolfe tone and lord edward fitzgerald in eighteen forty eight there were such impulses as the traditional leadership of smith o'brien the indomitable purpose of mitchell and the impassioned eloquence of maurer but fenianism seemed to have sprung out of the very soil of ireland itself its leaders were not men of high position or distinguished name or proved ability they were not of aristocratic birth they were not orators they were not powerful writers 
it was not the impulse of the american civil war that engendered fenianism although that war had great influence on the manner in which fenianism shaped its course fenianism had been in existence in fact although it had not got its peculiar name long before the american civil war created a new race of irishmen the irish american soldiers to turn their energies and their military inclination to a new purpose agitation in the form of secret association had never ceased in ireland one result of prosecutions for seditious speaking and writing in ireland is invariably the encouragement of secret combination whether it be right or wrong necessary or unnecessary to prosecute for seditious speaking or writing in ireland is not a matter with which we have to concern ourselves when we make this statement we state a fact which cannot be controverted it is assuredly a fact to be taken into the gravest consideration by those who are entrusted with the maintenance of order it ought at least to impress them with the sense of the necessity of being cautious how they run the risk of government prosecutions for mere indiscretions of pen or tongue when popular discontents are abroad said curran condemning the policy of the irish administration of his day a wise government would put them into a hive of glass you hid them the suspension of the habeas corpus act in consequence of the eighteen forty eight movement led as a matter of course to secret association before the trials of the irish leaders were well over in that year a secret association was formed by a large number of young irishmen in cities and towns it was got up by young men of good character and education it spread from town to town it was conducted with the most absolute secrecy it had no informer in its ranks it had its oath of fidelity and its regular leaders its nightly meetings and even to a limited and cautious extent its nightly drillings it was a failure because in the nature of things it could not be anything else the young men had not arms enough anywhere to render them formidable in any one place and the necessity of carrying on their communications with different towns in profound secrecy and by roundabout ways of communication made a prompt concerted action impossible after two or three attempts to arrange for a simultaneous rising had failed or had ended only in little abortive and isolated ebullitions the young men became discouraged some of the leaders went to france some to the united states some actually to england and the association melted away that was the happiest end it could possibly have had concerted action would only have meant the useless waste of a few scores or hundreds of brave young lives some years after this the phoenix clubs began to be formed in ireland they were for the most part associations of the peasant class and were on that account perhaps the more formidable in earnest for the secret association of which we have already spoken was mainly the creation of young men of a certain culture who felt ashamed and disappointed that the young ireland movement should have ended without a more gallant display of arms the phoenix clubs led to some of the ordinary prosecutions and convictions and that was all up to that time it did not seem to have entered into the mind of any official english statesman 
that such things might possibly be a consequence and not a cause it was thought enough to put them down and punish them when they came it was accounted an offence against law and order hardly less flagrant than that of the secret agitators themselves to ask whether perhaps there was not some real cause for all this agitation with which serious statesmanship could easily deal if it only took a little honest thought and trouble after the phoenix associations came the fenians this is a serious business now said a clever english literary man when he heard of the fenian organization the irish have got hold of a good name this time the fenians will last the fenians are said to have been the ancient irish militia in scott's antiquary hector mcintyre jealous for the honour and genuineness of ossian's songs of selma recites a part of one in which ossian asks st patrick the patron saint of ireland whether he ventures to compare his psalms to the tales of the bare-armed fenians there can be no doubt that the tales of the bare-armed fenians were passed from mouth to mouth of the celts in ireland and the highlands of scotland from a time long before that at which any soothsayer or a second-sighted sage could have dreamed of the landing of strongbow and the perfidy of the wife of brefni there was an air of celtic antiquity and of mystery about the name of fenian which merited the artistic approval given to it by the impartial english writer whose observation has just been quoted the fenian agitation began about eighteen fifty eight and it came to perfection about the middle of the american civil war it was ingeniously arranged on a system by which all authority converged toward one centre and those farthest away from the seat of direction knew proportionately less and less about the nature of the plans they had to obey instructions only and it was hoped that by this means weak or doubtful men would not have it in their power prematurely to reveal to betray or to thwart the purposes of their leaders a convention was held in america and the fenian association was resolved into a regular organized institution a provisional government was established in the neighborhood of union square new york with all the array and the mechanism of an actual working administration soon after this there began to be frequent visitations of mysterious strangers to ireland the emigration of the irish to america had introduced an entirely new element into political calculations one of the men of eighteen forty eight who took refuge in the united states at first and who afterwards went to canada and became very influential there wrote home from new york to say that we have the long arm of the lever here there was much truth in this view of the state of things the irish grew rapidly in numbers and in strength all over the united states the constitutional system adopted them enabled them almost at once to become citizens of the republic they availed themselves of this privilege almost universally the american political system whatever may be thought of its various merits or defects is peculiarly adapted to fill the populations with a quick interest in politics there are undoubtedly certain classes among the wealthier who are so engrossed in money-making and in business as to have little time left to trouble themselves about politics and there are many who out of genuine or affected distaste for noisy controversy and the crowd 
hold aloof deliberately from all political organizations but the working part of the community especially in the cities are almost invariably politicians every election every political trial of strength has its practical beginning at the primary meetings of the electors of each place these meetings are attended largely one might almost say mainly by the humbler classes of voters from the primary meeting to the fall elections and from the ordinary fall elections to the choice of the president the system is so adjusted as to take the humblest voter along with it the irish working man who had never probably had any chance of giving a vote in his own country found himself in the united states a person of political power whose vote was courted by the leaders of different parties and whose sentiments were flattered by the wire-pullers of opposing factions he was not slow to appreciate the value of this influence in its bearing on that political question which in all the sincerity of his american citizenship was still dearest to his heart the condition of ireland End of section thirteen